Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource, where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Hey. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. This is a bonus podcast episode. We just thought that we would maybe get together after Elk Shape Camp 6.0 in Texas, Roanoke, right outside of Fort Worth, and just kind of go over some of the highlights of the camp, but really talk about some of like the, the most important topics that came up so you guys listening can uh, get a nugget or two on your elk hunting journey. And so we're going to drop some knowledge bombs, and we're bringing on... Uh, my co-pilot at a lot of these camps is Jeff Bynum. He is a financial coach and he's been on this podcast before we did, I think we've done two and one of our most downloaded podcasts of all time episodes is the fiscal fitness. I think it's episode 57. Look that up. If you haven't heard that it's very eye awakening and we know that people are concerned about money all the time, every day. And so hunting is expensive. Elk hunting is expensive. And so we talk about today how to choose the right elk hunting partner things that you can filter to make sure that you are not wasting your finite september days in frustration or not communicating with them properly or making sure that everybody as a whole is understanding the expectations the goals the outcomes and all the work that's involved the last thing you want is to team up with a hunting partner that doesn't pull their own weight or is negative or is not encouraging, or is not tough mentally or physically. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Big shout-outs real quick. Vortex, thanks for all the help at all the elk-shaped camps. They've been hooking up a Razor 4000 rangefinder to every camp participant. It's been awesome. Kinetrek Boots has been hooking up an exclusive discount code to all the campers. I really appreciate that. Onyx has been giving everybody a premier membership. And Exo Mountain Gear has given a private exclusive discount code to the packs. Matthews is giving away a VXR. Thank you so much. Grim Reapers is giving the broadhead that I use, the Micro Hades 3-Blade. They're giving one to each camp athlete. And if you're in the market for a broadhead, please check those out. They're very sharp. 3-Blade, fly great, will kill elk. 
definitely Phelps is dude Phelps thank you so much you guys have provided Dirk or Jason at our camps and you've given every camper a Phelps bugle tube and call their choice gray amp the pink the Maverick it's been awesome wilderness athletes been giving away an awesome discount code for the campers and I can give that discount code to you guys as well uh, elk shape 30 will save you 30% off your first purchase at wilderness athlete everybody at camps getting samples of hydrate recover and alert Sika gear has been really awesome I'm allowed to give away three core lightweight hoodies to three campers at every camp climate the the company that kind of basically specializes in sleep systems, they provide an air pad and a pillow that's top notch. That's what I use when I backcountry elk hunt. And they've been given a discount code for basically all our campers. That's elk shape 20. I'm going to give that to you guys as well. So if you want to get an awesome air pad or pillow, message me. I'll tell you which one I use or shop the website. Use the discount code elk shape 20. That's really awesome. Hamski's been helping us out by giving us a few rests to give away at some of the camps. Uh, tight spot quivers is giving us a quiver to give away to some lucky guy or gal at each camp same with black gold been giving away ascent sites at every camp lakewood has been awesome they provided a discount code to camps and we have three camps left so uh, if you're in that wisconsin area get your butt to camp lakewood 50 will save you 50 bucks jason phelps is going to that camp with me and then we have a bunch of other Subject matter experts lined up. It's going to be unbelievable. And they're also giving away that double bow case that I rock to the lucky winner of the Matthews VXR. And again, the only way to get that bow is to come to an elk-shaped camp. So it's a small raffle. And it's going to be awesome. Black Obus has been giving away kill kits at our camps. And then I've been showing people like the game bags, that they're synthetic game bags and how awesome they are. And you can totally... Uh, get a discount with Black Ovis by just being a podcast listener. Use the discount code ElkShape20. Save 20% off at Black Ovis. They also sell a lot of sick gear and stuff like that, which is awesome. Baku e-bikes out of Utah. Those guys are hooking it up. So some lucky ElkShape camper is going to walk away with a brand new e-bike mule, the one I have. And that's awesome. And everyone's name's in the hat that comes to a camp. Now, you guys listening that haven't gone to a camp, Get signed up, and if you can't make it this year, try our online Elk Shape Camp where we literally record all our camps and edit them and put them on the back end of ElkShape.com. So it's 99 bucks for a year, and you have so many videos to digest right now. It's going to take you a year to get through all the curriculum. And so you'll see Joel Turner, Ryan Lampers, Dirk Durham, Jason Phelps, myself, and some other subject matter experts that help us throughout the camps. But if you want a Baku e-bike, it's Elk Shape 400. That'll save you $400 off your e-bike. And if you save $400, take that money and buy another battery so you have two batteries, you'll be able to crush the backcountry. I use my e-bike in steep North Idaho, and I can go at least 40 miles on one charge. You do have to pedal, though. It's not like a motorcycle. So it's just something to think about. AAE has made some exclusive Elk Shape max stealth veins i've been giving out to some of the camp well to all the campers and uh, so that's been really cool and we're going to start selling those off the website soon i think june is the timeline for that wow that's all the stuff i got for today this podcast is a really short good solid listen dive in you're going to get some good information out of this you're going to think about a few things you haven't thought before when it comes to elk hunting i guarantee it we appreciate your support you have a lot of choices out there Thanks for choosing Elk Shape. And remember, separation is in the preparation. Rolling Elk Shape podcast conversation. We got Jeff Bynum. We are in uh, Roanoke, Texas. What's happening? Dude, we just finished Elk Shape Camp, Texas. I was so stoked with that camp. That was, that was a lot of fun. 
we've done well you've helped out with would you say four camps yeah, so this far? Is fourth camp yep um and so you've seen this thing progress and evolve and you actually had a huge hand in kind of planning the logistics of this elk-shaped camp, man. Yeah, this was a bit of a homecoming for me. I mean, my my gym where I uh, started my CrossFit journey, uh, my old pro shop, the guys out there at Cinnamon Creek were just great. Uh, location, you can't beat it. It was a lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. So this is a – and you lived here for how long? Just shy of four years. Yeah, so – and then you ended up uh, migrating out. Probably better reintroduce you. So those are new to the podcast. We've had Jeff on. Um have we done t- two podcasts? Yeah, two podcasts. Yeah, so like we did the one that's most infamous or famous, I don't know which of the two it is, is the Fiscal Fitness. I'm going to look it up, but uh, we had a lot of people excited when you came on because you kind of talked about finances. And as you know and I know, uh, people think about money every day. Yeah. Um, it's been something that's. Uh, like, I didn't know how this was going to go when we first started coming to camp. You know, you come to Elk Shape Camp, you want to learn about elk hunting. But as you and I both know, how much your personal finances and what's going on in life impacts your ability to be consistent in the elk woods. And uh, I didn't know how people were going to take it. And the the response we've gotten from just creating a little bit of space to focus on being financially smart, prioritizing your life, being liquid, paying off debt, like... All the things that you're always hammering on, it, it, people have people have loved it. It's been it's been great. Built a bunch of good relationships out of it. I think that's key for me is like just meeting these people all across. You know that has you know I've never really hung out in Texas for five days until now. <laughs> um, I've been to Austin one time for like some CrossFit seminar thing, but second time in Texas, been here, and just meeting the people. I get it now, man. Texas is a, a really special place, and I don't just say that. I really mean like we've everyone's been gold. It's been cool. Uh, oh, I found it. It's episode fifty-seven, Fiscal Fitness with Jeffrey Bynum, and that's one of our most downloaded podcasts. So you gotta like that's undeniable. The stats don't lie. Like people today at Elk Shape on our last day, I made everybody raise their hand, and I said, raise your hand if you think about to some degree money every day of your life. And everyone instantly raised all their hands. Mm-hmm. We had rich people at this camp. We had young guys that aren't rich. We had everybody in between. And so it's cool to know that, hey, man, like we can talk a little bit about money at Elk Shape Camp. And here's why it's applicable. And uh, that's super special because it isn't – you're not signing up to learn. I'm going to learn how to kill me one of them elk. That is really like the smallest portion. I mean, we're going to – Dive deep on elk hunting for sure, but we're going to also talk about all the other cool things that elk hunting involves. You know, coming out of camp, you and I were reflecting, and uh, we were talking about some of the takeaways guys had had. And and the thing that I love about this environment, this camp, is everybody's coming out of this, or they come into it thinking, I'm going to go learn how to to find an elk, how to bugle, how to do these things. And they come out of camp wanting and learning how to be a better man, better husband, better father, how to take that passion for elk hunting and use that to just be better in all areas of life. And, uh, man, I, I know I've told you this, but it's, it's just been an honor being on this journey with you. Uh, well, I appreciate your help, man. You're good support. We got Dirk up here. Dirk flew out today. He, he was here for the whole weekend. I think everybody loves to see like a Dirk Durham or, you know, a oh, yeah. Jason Phelps or, um, even, um, you know, 
Joel Turner, who might rub a few people the wrong way, like at the end of the weekend, they're singing his praises. And Dirk's very, like, Dirk's probably the most likable guy out there in the outdoor industry. Dude's hilarious. I love it. He's gold. People love his personality, and he's pure gold. But he really does care about these guys as well, and he wants to, you know, he doesn't hold back. He shows all his cards and shows everybody how he kills elk and how he's had success over 30 years of public land elk hunting. Yep. It's it's something where I'm sitting here watching the two of you guys drop knowledge on these these campers, and and I've got this mental list of things where oh I made that mistake I made that mistake and I've got 17 years elk hunting, but realistically it's about 15 where I whitetail hunted for elk and about the last two or three years where I've actually been elk hunting. Yeah, this camp's cool because, you know, these guys live in Texas. Texas is. A huge state. Like, I feel like I've been lost all weekend going, how far is? How far did you drive? <laughs> and you didn't leave another state? You drove 12 hours and you made it to here? Yeah. And you were in Texas the whole time? I mean, it's really a huge state. But, you know, obviously these guys live close to New Mexico. These guys live close to Colorado. Yep. I think they all put in for New Mexico. Most of them probably don't draw. And then they end up going over the counter Colorado. That was the vibe I got. It makes sense. Colorado's yeah. right there. Yep most elk out of any state out west and so it's been really cool to kind of hear what questions these guys had and obviously you know a lot of them have killed elk and still came to camp which to me is really honoring like they're they're interested in not killing an elk once every 10 years yeah these guys want to create consistency and uh i feel like we delivered a pretty good blueprint for them when they left and the whole weekend we just kept on hammering please advertise what it is you suck at after this segment and after this section so after we went over bugling and making sounds with dirk which which sound do you need to work on the most some of them it's all of them some of it's the fundamentals some of it's i just don't quite have a lip ball yet or i can't create a bark or i don't have a good grunt yet everyone's different but they kind of the spotlight was shined on that weakness or shooting under duress. A lot of guys had never even thought about shooting their bow with a high <laughs> heart rate and their backpack and boots on. There were some guys exposed, that's for sure, when it came to their shooting. And there were some guys that surprised us, too. There were some shooters at this camp. Really good shooters at this camp. Not everybody, but there was a few that were just unreal, geeked out, committed. And so we took that and we're like, okay, for those that you, for those of you that are this committed in archery, Maybe you're spending too much time on your strength. Maybe we we need to work, spend more time on our weakness. And I felt like a lot of guys' eyes kind of opened up to, wow, I really do need to reprioritize those weaknesses to the top of the list. Um, the shooting in the very beginning of the camp. Mm-hmm. I'm talking day one where mm-hmm. we used to say, hi, I'm Dan. This is Jeff. This is Dirk. Welcome to Elk Shape Camp. Grab your bow. Grab one arrow. We're going outside. You're going to shoot one arrow in front of everybody that you don't know visual visual like visually shaking with adrenaline i saw a handful of guys nervous as heck because Mm -hmm. here they are they signed up for this camp (laughs) right on the stage in front of everybody i got my camera right in their face uh we had another cameraman taking photos and we're all staring and you got to make this one shot in front of all these strangers that are staring at you the piece i love about that is they think oh i gotta hit i gotta hit a 12 ring i gotta hit right on the target exactly where i'm aiming what we're watching for is how bad is our trigger punchers? Mm-hmm. What we got? What do we got fundamentally that's wrong for guys? And I'm not an archery coach. I know you always say you're not an archery coach. You probably could be, uh, but uh, it's it's fun watching guys 
go through that moment of getting exposed, that nervous dump that they they have they have the adrenaline um, come out the other side of camp, understanding where they're where they need to to focus and where they need to to work on their shot execution. That transition, that mental transition that they make throughout camp, realizing that oh, it's it's from every piece of of my archery game needs to improve it's it's fun watching this stuff happen and once we kind of like so i do advertise to these campers that hey i'm we are going to start with archery because it don't matter how fit you are and how smart you are about elk hunting if something if there's a chink in your archery game it could cost you a bull it could cost you that one shot opportunity in your 10-day hunt and before I go geek out on that like little part, because it's fresh in my mind, let's talk about a 10-day hunt for a guy who lives in Colorado. Like, oh, I think we did a good job about kind of creating like a picture of you need to define your expectations. And here's some hints for you guys to think about that you haven't thought about. Number one, who do you hunt with? Yeah. Is almost everything. You can't hunt with somebody who's not at your level of physicality, mentality, uh, they pull their weight in research and scouting. They're, if they're not going to be the quarterback, then they need to be somebody that will take orders and do their assigned work. Maybe you've assigned them with coming up with two or three hunt plans, spending some time digitally scouting or contacting the biologist, game warden, whatever. Um, team player, somebody that's cool. When you know Jeff shoots a bull, I'm just as happy for him. And then the eye-opening part is the two things we kind of paint a picture. Some of these guys were like in their early 40s. And mm-hmm. we're like, okay, early 40-year-old males, you got at most 20 spectacular elk hunting years left. 20 seasons, that's it. Guaranteed when you're 61, it will not be the same as when you're 41. It's not. Yep. This is called life. This is called aging. You can fight off aging as much as you can, but if you don't get hit by a bus, you don't get bad diseases, and you make it to 61, you're physically not going to be at the level of 41, and elk hunting is a physical sport. And so really we talked about how finite September was, and we kept bringing that word finite up throughout the weekend and, t- and just building value around September because we use that for fuel and leverage for all the other things we preach at camp. And then the other point that we make, and I think this is arguably just as important, is like, let's say Jeff and I are from Texas. Okay, we're from we're from Fort Worth, Texas. Well, we're going to Colorado, and we have one weeks of work vacation, paid time off, mm-hmm. and we got the weekend and the weekend. So we have ten days. Well, come to find out, that's sixteen hour drive to some pretty average units in Colorado. Okay. Yep. Well, that's sixteen more hours on the way back. There's thirty two hours. That's a day and a half. So now we're down to 8.5 days. Well, we got to we gotta find where we're camping. We might have to do some scouting. Some trailheads might be busier than others. But if the stars aligned and we knew exactly what we were, where we were going and where the elk were, we got eight days. Well, we don't have eight days because, Jeff, I think you wanted to be a shooter at least four of those eight <laughs> days, correct? Yep, I'd love to. And Dan wants to be a shooter for those other eight days. So realistically, our 10-day hunt really – if everything goes splendid, you have four days, I have four days. And then what happens if we get something? Well, it's Our. a good problem to have, but we're talking several trips. Got to run to town. Got to get that meat on ice. Got to get it hung. Got to recover. 
Um, here's another one. What if I shoot a bull and I don't hit it good? Yeah. Now we're spending the rest of this day and the following day looking for my bull. We're burning time looking for this animal and maybe we recover them. Maybe we don't. And so when you start really going over, cause I think guys think they have 10 days of hunting mm-hmm. and in all actuality, you got three or four, maybe if you're lucky. Yep. And, and that could be bad weather comes in. You could have mechanical failures with your rig. Like everything can go south. You were talking about, you know, picking your hunting partner. You've got to, you've got to make sure that you're mentally prepared and your hunting partner is mentally prepared. You know, there's people that are on different levels of fitness, um, and and you don't want to uh, you don't want to be completely mismatched in that area, but the biggest thing I've ran into with hunting partners is not being mentally in the same the same space. You know, I've watched guys get so frustrated because you're out there killing yourself in these mountains. You're sleep deprived. You're on edge. You're anxious. You've put all this work and effort, and your your anticipation is through the roof, and something doesn't go right. You know, you don't hear bugles, whatever it may be, your food. Uh, we, we've talked about uh, some dehydrated meals. They mess me up sometimes. Uh-huh. And and it's so easy for your hunting partner or for you, and you got to think, because I've seen me do it, where I kind of lose my shit a little bit up there. Mm-hmm. And and that takes away from a hunt. I had to end a Colorado trip four days early, or four of us. I took f- I took three guys on their first elk hunt, and we did, a, we did our first backpack elk hunting trip in Colorado and and it was tough we had we had altitude sickness in camp we had did uh, everybody get it or did just a couple guys no I got it pretty bad um it it basically ruined three days I still hunted but I I had absolutely nothing in the tank and I was having to stop and use the bathroom like every 10 minutes um that was fun uh and and it it just took its toll on the entire camp environment and attitudes broke down quickly. There were several blowups in camp and I mean, we're all adults, you know, you look at, you look at us in life and we, you know, we're all leaders in different environments We're we're all business owners and we get up there and it was like a bunch of teenage girls. It was, it was interesting. And, and I think for me, I looked at it and go, you know, taking three guys that have never elk hunted before on their first elk hunt, and having it be a backpack elk hunt um, trip probably was probably was a little too much. I probably overcommitted a bit because we got up in there the first morning. Well, actually, on the hike up in there, I heard a bugle. Um, I thought it was Hunter, and then this bull just started going off at like one in the afternoon. And so me and me and a buddy we took off after it. We got into these elk. Wind was swirly. We backed out. Said let's go get go after him in the morning. So we made a plan in the morning. It was on the other side of the drainage. The other two guys that were there, um, their plan was to stay on the other side, not get their scent over where we were headed, any of that stuff, let off some bugles, see if they can get them worked up, and we were going to slip in on them and just slip in quiet. And both those guys felt like, oh, we're just being told we can't go hunting. And and they didn't they didn't understand it at all. And from that moment on, they were salty, and we had no idea why. And it's just a lack of knowledge and a lack of communication and time in the woods, so... Um, yeah, choose your elk hunting partners carefully. We, we do have only so many Septembers left in us. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, uh, they were salty. I appreciate why they were, you know, just understanding a little bit of your story is like from their lens, you guys were being selfish and pushing them off to the side. But, but realistically, if you want to know if you are good friends with somebody, go on a 10 day elk hunt, do it yourself. Yeah. 
and you'll know after 10 days if you guys are good friends. Yeah. And because uh, it is going to test test your guys' friendship. You're going to be heated. There's a lot of emotions. There's highs and lows with elk hunting. Oh, That's why man. we like it so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you think that, you know, me getting mad at you one day and letting you have it for whatever I think you did wrong and you just shut down and we're, you can't be like, dude, okay, and then take it or vice versa. If you can't, you know, if I can't recognize I'm being kind of a, a little overbearing, <laughs> then it's going to be an issue. So, yeah, it's funny that guys can get in trouble and over elk hunting and, and get just, you know, dramatic for lack of a better term. Yep. And so when we talked to these campers about that, I mean, we're trying to bring up things that they didn't think about. Yeah. And what I've come to find out after interviewing these guys is the whole weekend was stuff they never thought of. Yep. And including like uh, the backcountry Cajun guy, Haas. <laughs> Dude, I want to make him Instagram famous so bad. He's, yes. He's an amazing man. He, he, this guy is like, what is he, 6'3", 270? Yeah, just a beast rugby player. Rugby player. Best mustache in camp. Best mustache, long hair, sleeve of tattoos, larger than life. Yep. And just a Louisiana boy. Yeah, he's a good old boy. Cajun and, man. And uh, come to find out, he, his first elk hunt was last year, 10 days in Idaho, solo. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're a gangster. Yep. And he was just like, at the end of the camp, he's like, you guys literally, like, I didn't, I went elk hunting. I went to Idaho. I didn't get an elk. I was into elk, but I actually never figured out why I didn't get an elk until this weekend when you literally went over every mistake I made and then some. And I was like, that's awesome because it's Dirk's 30 years, my 20 years, your 17 years squished into one weekend. And I hope these guys catch on to like, we didn't just read this in a magazine. This this tactic here or this tidbit comes from this cost me an opportunity on an elk mm-hmm. you know what i mean some of the coolest things I, I saw coming out of this camp you know guys were reflecting afterwards and they were saying how much they have to have their elk hunting partners come to this next camp and we've got to come back to texas because they've got xyz three four guys that they have to get in camp that they go elk hunting with that didn't didn't make it this weekend because their their entire game changed and they're going to get in the woods, and they're going to be on two different playbooks now. And, yep. and I mean, it's so important if you are not a solo guy, and and I'm typically not. I, I may end up being a little bit solo this year, but my main elk hunting partner that I've had for years in, in Seattle, uh, we've done a lot of whitetail elk hunting in the woods, and I'm messaging them the whole time. I've got to get you to Vancouver, dude. This is you. You've got to come to this. This is going to change your life. He needs it. He needs this. He's he's stuck in Seattle. He's miserable. He needs this passion relit inside of him. Um, and I need him to be there because we're going to do a bunch of elk hunting together, and we're going to get in the woods. And I don't want to make the same mistakes we've made before. It's like, hey man, we're taking the elk hunting SATs, and I just spent an entire weekend breaking down. A to Z, how to crush this test, and I'm fired up, and I'm, you know, six months out, and are you going to, like, are you going to grab the Cliff Notes version and just do a, a cram session the weekend before elk season starts? There's a different level of preparation. 100%. And honestly, the whole brand of Elk Shape is about separation is in the preparation. It's not a cliche. It really is truth. And I know that everybody came to this camp kind of thinking, man, 
uh, Dan's going to show us how to work out and get into out shape. And like, if you think about even today, we did two tiny workouts mm -hmm. that totaled 20 minutes. The first one was 12 minutes. The second one was eight minutes. I bet we spent more than 20 minutes going over mobility, stretching, injury prevention, nutrition, and then even longer on nutrition. Cause you out, you can't out train a bad diet. We even went into backcountry nutrition and broke down what you should be looking for for your backcountry you know menu and that stuff's important and then you go the day before where it's nothing but elk knowledge and we do it a couple different ways where we do some hands-on bugling and then we do some private coaching on elk vocalizations but then Dirk and I sit down and we just do this awesome presentation on A to Z here is your education on how to elk hunt. And we dive mm -hmm. so deep. And then the two favorite parts that we added was like we did like a live podcast Q&A at the end, answer some really good tactical questions, arm those guys with 10 different ways to get in on elk. And then the, the part that I like the most is where we sit down and watch some of Dirk's and my elk hunting videos breaking down and pause videos. the videos and yeah. fill them in on all the details you'll never get from just watching it at your in your living room you'll never know yep okay dirk how long did it take you to find this bull how did you find this bull mm -hmm. what call sequence did you do how far did you go down the mountain or up the mountain when did you decide to do this why did you dip why did you dive? Why'd you dodge? Why'd you do this? You know, and, and understanding when to zig and zag is literally like those decisions are the difference between getting a shot opportunity or not. And it, since we've added that, we've done that twice now at both last two camps. Um, I, I think, feel really I think that's gotta be in every camp. There's so much knowledge that you guys break down in that. And I mean, we all, we all gobble up these YouTube videos like crazy. We love it. They're super motivational. And we see you guys do these things like, oh, why did they stop? Why is he calling from there? What's Why did he move from that tree to 10 yards forward? What's happening there? What's going on? And, and breaking down that video allows us to be in that hunt and learn from everything that was happening there. Yeah, they really learned in, in just those couple of videos of how to interact, which is hard to learn by watching a YouTube video. But when you have the guy there that's in the video telling you what he did and why, you understand why he interacted with the elk the way he did. And then the most important part is understanding why he set up, where he set up, when he set up, and how it either worked or didn't work. And it was all because of the final setup. The, like, everybody I always talk to asks the same questions. Mm. How do I find elk? And then the other question is, is this bull came in, paid yards, but then he hung up. Why? And so it's always like breaking down the nuances of that. I feel like we're going to have some guys that come out of this camp that are going to be killing elk this year without a doubt. Yeah. I'll bet if you ask the guys in camp that had been elk hunting, how many of them have tried to sneak in on an elk and, and be sneaky in the woods? And like you guys were talking about, you know, you, you make noise when you're going in on an elk unless unless you're the caller and the shooter. But you guys make noise in the woods. Elk are noisy. And watching these guys, their their entire philosophy or thought process around how to move in the woods, elk hunting, completely changed. It was it was pretty fun to see that. Yeah, and pivoting, like, it's funny to say that we talk about, like, goal setting. We talk about communication with your spouse. We talk about, 
leveraging elk hunting. And we use those same words from this podcast, hard work, discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable. I feel like those are literally just in their face the entire weekend. So let's give our listeners kind of a taste of that. So like I personally make a lot of disciplined decisions based around the fact that I know that I'm going to get to go elk hunting in September. And it Mm -hmm. may sound bizarre to someone on the other line right now going, what? But like I literally worked out today when everyone went to lunch, not because I wanted to get a pump session in. It's because I wanted to kill an elk in September. And I knew that if I worked out when I didn't feel like it, I might go after a bull that I don't feel like diving after because I know that I I can do it. Mentally, I can make hard decisions. And when you do that over and over and over, it all leads up to elk season. But it's also helping my my life. My body really appreciated some really healthy stress called exercise. And then because I worked out, I ate a really good healthy lunch afterwards. And it helped keep the momentum going. You know what I mean? And then we talk about shooting your weapon more often. And then we get into finances. And people are like, what? The record you know, stops and people are like, so wait a second. You guys are talking about finances at an elk hunting camp? Yeah. What What are you trying to sell us? And that's <laughs> when it's like I get to get up there and be like, okay, my name is Dan and I don't make that much money, but I've rearranged my life so that I have more time than I have anything else. My number one asset is time, and I am not going to miss September's, Lord willing. Yep. And yep. I think they really start to understand that you can't hunt your best when you really didn't communicate with your wife your full intentions that you wanted to hunt for two weeks this year, not one, and that you're not going to come home early. You're going to literally stay the entire two weeks because if you get one, I want Jeff to get one too, and I'm his partner, and I'm committed to helping him get his bull, and it's going to we set aside two weeks. Guys don't tell their wives that. You know what I mean? It's crazy. They got to tell their boss because they got to get the time off, but they don't tell the real boss. Yep. And that's Mrs. Staten in my world. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's not just, hey, I'm taking two weeks off. It's, you know, June through August or, or end of May through August, you are spending every moment with your family. You're pouring into your wife. You're pouring into your kids. You're knocking out that honey-do list. The same as you're exercising every day. You are you are creating uh, a asset in your relationship because you're about to make a withdrawal. Oh, my God. That's genius. We've never used that analogy, no, but it's so true. Yeah, it is so true. And I want to take that withdrawal. It's it's an almost inevitable, but I want to do it responsibly. Yep. Um, and so I want to protect that asset, which is, you know, arguably the most important one. It's my family. It's my marriage. And then it's my children. Yeah. And so things got to be straight there. Things got to be straight with your finances. You can't be applying for all these damn tags in all these states, racking up $12,000 credit card bill. And the state of Wyoming's taking, you know, making interest off your money, but you ain't. Yeah. You're paying interest to your credit card. You know, so I just don't understand how you can't budget and, f- you know, figure out how to, to not finance a hunt, but to pay cash for a hunt and make work some overtime. Yeah. Set aside some funds. And then don't think your wife is crazy when she's like, well, wait a second, Jeff. You're spending $3,000 on elk hunting this year and you balk at us going on a camping trip this weekend. You know, or taking me out on a date or having a, you know, going out and taking us like a weekend off, getting a babysitter and going somewhere. Yep. It's not, it's not fair. No, it's not fair. And you know, the, the thing that I enjoy about the financial side of camp 
is there's there's nothing magic about it. It's <laughs> it's hard work. It's discipline. It's the same things that you teach from a fitness standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, from a scouting standpoint. It's those same disciplines that allow people to be in that financial spot to be able to do these things that we're talking about. One thing at this camp that I thought was probably different than others, and I don't know how much we can say because we have to be careful, you know, you're because you're a financial guy and there's compliance, but like one of the campers, maybe a couple, but they were your actual clients yeah, and they were singing your praises and they, it got to the point where like <laughs> they were pretty convincing because like one of the guys had was a total nightmare. Yeah. Makes phenomenal money, but was still living check to check. He's which a, is he's as American crazy as they come yeah. to understand that you could, like he makes literally like he told me what he makes a year. And he like literally makes double of what I do, mm-hmm. but he's living check to check and I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, okay, well he was until you got a hold of him. And it took him a couple years to finally give in and be like, kind of hit a dead end and be like, have an emotional decision and say, yeah. okay, something's got to change. Yeah. He picked up the phone and he was able to get his stuff dialed get rid of some stuff he didn't need, some shiny objects, i.e. that brand new truck that was a $600 a month payment or whatever. The Polaris Ranger, yeah. It his, was his side-by-side or Ranger, like stuff that he didn't need because he now had defined goals. Yep. And he could see his goals. He wrote them down. He saw them monthly, and he knew what he was working towards. And this year was the first year that he got to apply for eight different states for different species and it was in his budget he had the money set aside for that no i'm not sure if it's in his budget if he draws all eight but uh yeah. he better be buying a lottery ticket yeah yeah <laughs> that's it that's a good problem to have but he th- this year he is going on one or two hunts that he's been talking about for since i've known him and i know the conversation's been happening for years before that too and and it's it's cool because he's not he's not out of the woods yet but man, that that's one of those guys where I came in and said, "Hey, here's the path to get to where you want to go," and he did not hesitate for one minute. He he sold his truck within a couple weeks, which like I'm not a big fan of telling guys to come in, "Hey, t- sell your truck." I just say, "Here's some different paths you could go," and uh, and he took it by the horns. And in two years, he's made more grounds than than most people I've ever come across or worked he's with. He's definitely the exception, but I don't think he has to be. No if we talk about it openly and let people know that there is a success successful route and path for you to take. And guess what? It's bumpy. It's steep. It's not downhill, yep. but it's worth it. And I would say without giving away his name or whatever, I would say, I don't know if this sounds lame, but like he had an undeniable sense of joy the entire weekend and almost a sense of peace. Yeah. Because he had peace because he wasn't pulling his hair out trying to figure out how to make the minimum payment on his credit card, even though he made really good money. Do you know what I mean? Yep, I do. I know exactly what you mean. And that's why this podcast, we talk about that stuff. We try to keep it real. Like, if I'm going to be in the hunting industry, I'm going to be known as the guy who keeps it real. Like, this dude's not fake. Like, he keeps it real, and um, we know him. We don't know just his Instagram personality. We actually know him. And these guys at this camp got to know us, got to know our mission, and I bet they grabbed the bull by the horns. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, the guys, the guys coming out of this camp, um, it, we were we were talking afterwards, and every camp is unique in its own way. And it it didn't take an hour after camp started that I know you, me, and Dirk, we kind of looked at each other and said, "Oh, we've got a bunch of 
badasses here. Yeah, like we've got we've got a bunch of really good dudes that are that are set on making good decisions and learning this stuff. And it's been one of the funnest pieces of each camp. And I I think I can't remember if it was two or three camps ago where we came in and said, oh, we need to pivot our entire agenda to to build this for what these guys need. And uh, this camp, I think we were able to go a lot deeper because these guys were, they were, they, overall, they were in decent shape. Overall, they they had a lot more of a foundation from a calling standpoint. And, uh, I mean, you guys pulled back the covers on the book on this one. It was cool. Yeah, we almost gave away too much information. <laughs> like, we gave away some pretty good secrets. But at the end of the day, their success is our success. 100%. And um, one of the things I talked about this weekend was, you know, I talk about in one of my presentations how to get a tag, and I really break down the differences between an over-the-counter tag that's unlimited, the over-the-counter tag that has a finite number of tags available, and then they're gone. I talked about preference points, limited quota or controlled tags. I talked about bonus points, and I really break it down for these guys. I haven't talked about landowner tags. I called them Joe Rogan tags <laughs> because – and I wanted them – to not sit there and be like, well, Joe Rogan, that's, I want them to understand like Joe Rogan spends way less on hunting than I do. When you talk about percentages yeah. relative to how much money he grosses to what I gross yeah, to what nothing. I spend on hunting to yeah. what he, I spend more money on hunting. Than he does. So do, don't get caught up on that. What other people do. And the example that I use was like, imagine that you went to Colorado Imagine that you ran into other hunters, you pivoted through three or four of your hunt plans, moved spots, moved spots, moved spots, bumped elk, boogered elk, screwed up on elk, and then on day 10, your last day, it all comes together and you get your shot on a nice little raggy three by four goofy bull and you smoke them, you douse them and you're packing them out and you're driving home and you're exhausted and you've never been happier, more proud of yourself. You get home. And you're going to load that sucker up to Instagram. And once you load it up, you're going to go come back in a couple hours and check the comments and the likes. And it's just, it's got some gratification, but you see a picture of a guy from the same area who shot a giant six by seven and you instantly like get jealous and you're not going to like his post and you're not happy for him. Like comparison, you know, is not something we as hunters should do like, cause it will rob you of your joy. And there's like that saying, like comparison is the thief of all joy. Like, and it's true. And so we really hit home with like, we want, and the reason why we're recapping our camp is because these lessons are applicable to you guys listening right now. You don't need to compare yourself to anyone else, man. Like your three by four is special. You worked your ass off for that bull. You got tested, you overcame things and you're coming out the other side, a better human. And a better version of yourself for the rest of the year. And you got a freezer full of the only thing you actually can eat on the animal, the meat. You know what I mean? I think people need to hear that message more often. So we always try to include that narrative in our camps. And it's cool. But what I want to do is talk less about our camp. Talk a little bit more about you. You've you've killed some bulls. But you're kind of like looking for that bigger archery bull, which is relative. So I want to give you an opportunity to kind of take us through your process of what you're thinking now that it's coming up in springtime. Yep. What that's going to look like. You're thinking about going solo. If your partner goes to the Vancouver camp with, you know, we got Joel Turner there. That's going to be pretty life-changing for him. Yep. You guys might be able to hunt better together yep. with a better plan. Like, So what are your thoughts on elk season 2020? Well, so 2019 was my first elk season in Idaho. And 
I, I committed to staying close to home. And the reason for that is I've got elk in my backyard. I mean, it's within, within 15, 20 minutes, there are elk from my house. I live in town and I want to be an expert in my backyard because I know and I've seen, I've watched videos of guys doing this and there's there's a ton of good elk hunting in Idaho, but I spent the entire year hitting as many drainages. I, I probably put on close to, I, I know in deer season, I put on 200 miles in deer season. I think I had in between 100 and 150 during the September in elk. These are um, boot miles. These are boot miles. Yep. These are North Idaho boot miles. So that's like uh, 500 miles actually. Yeah, let's flatten <laughs> that out. It's like walking across Texas. No, yeah. uh, but um I found elk in a place that the elk numbers are down. Um, the the pressure is up. The predation is through the roof. And I found some pockets of elk that are not fun to get to. They're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck when I go in there and kill a bull. But um, I've got some ridges and I've got some, some different drainages that I know the majority of people are not going to want to go to that are holding animals. And so... Um, my plan, as soon as I can start getting up there, I'm going to start with uh, some spring bear hunting in those areas, um, as well as shed hunting. Just any excuse to go out and put boots on the ground and learn that country as much as I can. I've got two or three spots that are specifically like, okay, I know these are bulls are in here. I know what time of year they're at. I know they're in some hell holes. And, uh, and you guys were talking about some of the, the strategies with trail cameras. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trail camera up. Uh, North Idaho this year. I'm going to run some salts and, uh, and I'm just going to take inventory on what we got. And, you know, so for me, I've, yeah, I've killed a couple bulls. Um, I've killed a couple cows, but I've never got that herd bull. And, and that's that for me, like that is, I need to do that for myself. I've been at this game long enough that it's something that, uh, I feel like I need to accomplish. And so, um, I'm not worried about the meat. I will, I'll get an elk this year, but for me, September is all about getting that herd bull. Okay, so to put the spotlight on you, yeah, you've been to several camps. Yep, you've heard Ryan Lampers break down backcountry tactics and gear and nutrition. You're going to hear Jason Phelps in mm-hmm. Wisconsin in a month from now. You're going to hear Aaron Snyder. You've heard Joel Turner once on shot execution and calling. You've heard Dirk three times now. You're going to hear Joel another time. Yep. So you're going to have an unfair advantage <laughs> with all this stuff. And then you're, you're around me and, and you know, and I'm, I, <laughs> what did you say today? Uh, you, you said my drive is contagious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which to me is the best compliment ever because I, I, I am very driven, not the best elk hunter, not the best caller, not the best woodsman, but my drive's way, way up there, like level 10. And you add all these things into it and knowing what you know about yourself, what are some of the main things besides scouting and putting cameras out and learning your country? Like what are you, what do you need to do to put yourself in the best? Well, now you're getting personal. So, (laughs) um, honestly, uh, nutrition. Um, I went into last elk season, uh, probably in the best shape that I've gone into an elk season and I felt good. Um, I came out of elk season and went straight into Halloween and that my kids, they're, they're crazy how much candy they get. And I dad taxed the shit out of them. (laughs) (laughs) And and, I mean, I, it it doesn't take long by the time the holidays are over. I'm in the new year. I've lost all the ground that I've, that I made up. And what did you do to get in the best shape that you've been in? 
leading up to 2019 season? What what were the clues that are left behind from that success? Uh, so I I have to consistently be at the gym and I have to consistently eat clean. I have to track my meals. I have to track my macros. I have to I have to get rid of. I have a sweet tooth like no one's business. Um, and and I don't look bad with a dad bod. Like it it, it works for me a little bit, but it doesn't work in the mountains. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm fighting, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm creeping up on 40. I'm fighting some, some typical things, some inflammation. I've got some back issues going on, things that are limiting me. And I, I have to tighten up my discipline in all those areas. And so, um, to be better at elk hunting, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, so I, I think about this and yeah, I, I've got to go kill that herd bull, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, Ooh, 50 to 60 is when I need to have my herd bulls kind of killed. And yeah, I'll still have opportunities, but that's what I'm trying to get. That's what I want to be there helping my kids kill herd bulls. Yep. And, and I, I want to elk hunt well, as long as I can, hopefully into my seventies, but it's really about, I'm thinking about my kids. I know there's some personal ambition that I have that I need to, I need to get out of the way, but my daughter and, and a week from today, we start hunter safety. And, oh and she is jacked. No, she's and she's going to be shooter for pretty much turkey and deer season this year. Um, and and she, she is as thrilled and as excited. Um, and it's not going to be long before she's going to be shooter el- in, in elk season as well. And I can't wait. I'm looking forward to that. My son's right behind her. So um, I've got a window. And that window of time, even though I'm going to be elk hunting another 20, 30 years, uh, that window of time for me to to check a few boxes that I need to check is is coming up quick. Oh, that's great. Uh, we have so much to unpack there, but I don't want to go too long. This is kind of a bonus episode. I just wanted people to catch us on cloud nine after a camp where, honestly, I know you know this, but I pour my heart and soul into these camps. I leave I leave it all on the field because it's there is no greater feeling than helping people find their best self. And yeah. show them how to do it. And this group was super special. And I really appreciate that you're part of the journey because what you bring is so invaluable in my opinion. Um, I do think you got to give yourself some credit because when it comes to like dad bods and, and fitness and all that kind of stuff, like you do have a pretty serious back injury that we probably have to talk about a little bit because, you know, lower back pain affects like 80% of the U S population. Yeah. There's a reason why chiropractors are in business and they're so are physical therapists and there's probably back pain is one of the main reasons people miss work days when they say they're sick. It's not because they're sick. It's because they're just in too much pain. And so knowing that my wife fights back pain with some herniated discs as well. I mean, I've seen somebody who I love very much. Who's one of arguably the most savage fit women you'll ever meet. (laughs) Scary fit, scary fit not be able to touch a barbell for months at a time because of a back issue. So for those listening that maybe can relate to you, like how are you going to delicately work around this back issue and not go backwards, but continually move the needle in the right direction? Well, I have to check my ego constantly. Um, And I, I will say, I think I've got about three and a half, four years of CrossFit and my back issues were a lot worse then. This is something I've dealt with for a long time. And the, you know, having a good gym, having good coaches, and I'm, I'm super lucky where, where I'm at in Sandpoint, 
Um, there's a phenomenal gym there. The coaches are top notch. They understand me and they want me to be healthy. And, and that means that they're not afraid to tell me to back down. Um, and so I have to check my ego. I do a lot of extra stretching mobility. Uh, and my goal is, is try to be in between three or four days a week in, in the gym and then one or two days a week doing something, uh, even if it's just taking a walk with the wife for two hours, getting out, doing something physical, go shed hunting, take the kids out in the woods, um, maybe go, maybe go try to chase some wolves or something like that, but just, you know, get a little bit of a sweat and um, move, move, move. Yep. Um, yeah. And as far as like shooting your bow and stuff, we'll talk about what you need to do archery, but for calling wise, like you've heard a lot of calling seminars, sure. uh, you caught, uh, Dirks last year turned around, went into 2019 and arguably were the main reason your buddy shot a 300 inch public land, North Idaho, six point. Those are very few far between. Um, that had to bolster your, it was, it was fun. Um, your confidence, if you will, in your calling ability, knowing that you, you've called a bull in a very hard bull to call in. What, what, like, I guess what's left to be desired on your calling or what new tactics have really excited you to employ in 2020? Yeah. So, I mean, my calling last year, I was at the point where I kind of understood what was going on. Like I had an idea and, uh, it worked, uh, but it could have went south at any point. And we had multiple occasions with bulls last year. It was for, for North Idaho. We got into a ton of bugles. Um, and, and so, um, working, working through that going into this year, I think just my general knowledge of what elk do, when to move, when not to move, how to, how to set up, um, is completely different. And I, even last year I go, Oh, that's why that didn't work. That's why that didn't work. The other side of it is just my confidence level. Um, there were a couple bulls that we saw last year that we absolutely could have went for. And I just didn't have the confidence to do it. Hmm. Um, and I probably should have pushed a few different times. As far as vocalizations go, which one do you feel like you're the best at? Which one you need to practice at the truck? Mm. I would say I'm probably average across the board. Um, and, uh, I mean, my, my bugles, I think, are okay. Um, you know, I'm not going to win any competitions. I know that. Um, and I don't... I, I don't really care that that's not a motivating factor for me. I, I want success in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so one fun thing that happened last year when I did call in that bull, I had never once practiced a bark and that bull came in and barked at me. And I've, I, and I've heard this before. And I know that if you have an animal, if you have an elk bark at you, you gotta, you gotta bark right back at it. Was he barking like show yourself? Yeah. He, he'd worked in from 750,000 yards out, came all the way in was in the brush at 60 yards uh-huh. and barked at us. Hadn't winded you. Nope. He was simply was saying, all right, I've yep. come this far. Yep. Show me what you're working with. Let yep. me see what you, let me see who you are. And I, I threw a bark at him and I matched it. He bark chuckled at me. I threw a bark chuckle right back at him instantly. Had never practiced that. And it sounded good. Apparently. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, we got it done. Evidently. It, it, that, that we ended up barking at each other two or three times before we got him shot. Wow. Um, and, uh, and, and so just understanding and having the confidence to do what I need to do in the woods. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going into this year, I, I feel like years ahead of last season. And Definitely. Well, lastly, on your prep, 
the spotlight for archery. I noticed that you got this weekend, you upgraded two pieces of equipment that are sitting here that we're going to fly home <laughs> with. And so let's talk about your process on gear and upgrades and shot execution. It looks like you just upgraded to a three pin uh, Montana Black Gold. Yep. And I'm not sure you didn't get the the it wasn't the ascent. What'd you get? The the mountain light. The mountain light. Great sight. It's lighter than yep. most other and it also has your first second third axis which i know yeah. you're stoked about and then you picked up a stabilizer so uh what upgrades are to your what's your setup or what you're looking at doing to your yeah setup? i mean i've got a i've got a 2014 hoyt uh hoyt carbon spider turbo um and i, I really want to get a new bow this year but I'm, I don't think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to work on some of the components on it and I'm going to practice some of the delayed gratification I tell people that they need to practice themselves and um I'm going to get it done with that bow. And uh for me, that bow is completely capable of killing anything that I can find up there in North Idaho and that bow's not going to hold me back in any way. So mm -hmm. I can I can make it work. Um but I went to uh I went to a pretty heavy site um that was, you know, one of the top end sites and I didn't like it at all last year. It threw me threw me completely off. I've always had a pretty lighter site. So I replaced the site, um, sold the site I had, got that one pretty much at no cost. And then uh I'm gonna I'm gonna start working to figure out some of the stability. Um something that's happened for me is in my old age my eyesight isn't great anymore. Um I probably should be wearing contacts. The only time I do is when I go hunting now. because uh, I hate them. Um but uh I'm I'm having to be a lot more intentional in uh, how I'm shooting, uh, how I'm taking care of myself, my eyesight. Uh, I've I've rebuilt my I've rebuilt my arrow selection. I've rebuilt my broadheads, um, and so I I feel like I'm pretty dialed. Um, and I need to get this sight on, do some more practicing now. Yeah, the guy that probably shot the absolute best at our uh, camp, Shane Beasley. I'm gonna give you a shout out, brother was pretty cool to hear him chat you know i kind of interviewed him a little bit not on camera but just like grilled him anytime somebody shoots that good i want to know what they're doing mm. and uh, he impressed me he shot he he shot really well in the shooting under duress where we had him do a bunch of crazy physical fitness stuff run up mountains shoot steep angles and a one shot that was like 72 yard bomb shot on a on an elk yeah with a lot of wind and kind of in the middle of the workout where you're the most gassed and he like dude he just dropped a 12 in it it was unreal and so i asked him i was like man what what are you doing and here's what he said this is my takeaway from him was like he's like well number one i'm a target archer not because i love target archery but it forces me to learn everything there is about my bows and so then i followed up with well do you work on your own bows he said yes i finally buckled down bought my own press my own vice and I tinker and tinker and tinker and I shoot the most throughout the year when I have my bow and it's not where I want it. And so he's yeah, always like doing these minuscule little tweaks to his bow and shooting and tweaking and shooting and shooting and shooting. And then he says once he finally gets that bow absolutely to perfection, he doesn't have to shoot it nearly as much and it stays right where he wants it. And I thought that was really cool to hear a guy who obviously the proof's in the pudding. You saw him shoot. Yep. Dude's legit. Mechanics are there. Brakes is awesome. Gear is dialed. The dude tinkers the bow to death. Yeah. Until he's got it absolutely perfect. And then he, when he's ready, he just goes out there and 
drills targets like it's no problem. Yeah, I, I mean, what was he? He was uh, he smoked a deer at a ridiculously long shot last year, and and I mean, he's one of those people that I'd say it's appropriate to do that, and because he he's dedicated to his craft. Yeah, he's like the less than one percent that uh, green light you can shoot yep. a mule deer at that distance, and he got a pass through. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like he's got the equipment can do it. He's got the ability and the confidence. Obviously, the situation. Um, so that was cool. And yeah, man, just working on your target and your ar- your archery game, messing with the equipment you have. I think a lot of people do try to upgrade stuff unnecessarily. Maybe it is worth just you know selling a piece and then upgrading the piece, yep. not. I always laugh, like, I got to throw my dad under the bus, like, he was tired of this truck. And so he went out and bought a new one, and I'm like, well, what are you going to do with the other truck? He's like, oh, I'm selling it. Yeah. And I'm just like, that. I would never do that. Yeah. I don't know why. That's just how I am. But I would never go get the thing I wanted until I repl- like had sold what I what was currently taking its place. And hopefully, you know, there's no difference there. And if there is, it's just not, you know, I just don't believe that's a good way to go. And I like that you sold your site first. Then you got your other site and you're even Steven. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. so that's cool. Well, let's finish up. I mean, we're almost at an hour here. Um, you can't give out financial advice on podcasts. That's right. But you can talk about fiscal fitness lightly. Um, <laughs> thinking about 2020 elk season, which yeah. is all we've been talking about. Is there anything that you can say that is probably best practices for somebody to be thinking about when it comes to creating a hunt budget um, or at least thinking about mm, ways to not be surprised Yeah. when it costs this much gas or when it costs <laughs> this much groceries or, oh, I shot a giant bull. I want to do taxidermy or uh, I killed this bull 10 miles from the trailhead. I need to find a packer. I can't get him out by myself. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, even close to home, I, I probably I probably dropped $1,000 in fuel last year. And I spent a lot of days in the field. But it's always going to cost more than what you're expecting. And so, um, yeah, you got to plan for that. You've got you've to set aside a budget. You've got to build liquidity in life. Um, you've you've got to be smart with your money if you want to be consistently in the elk woods. Uh, something I've been looking into, um, and I don't have any recommendations or anything like that, but there are some cool there are some cool programs. I like technology. There's a bunch of different programs out there that will go and like save the change off every transaction. Oh yeah. And you can set up. You can do like little roundups. Like if it's you know over fifteen dollars, round it up to twenty. And just do some stuff like that to create a little additional capacities because, um, let's be honest, we all upgrade gear throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always something out there that we have our eye on. I made the mistake of uh, checking out the uh, the guy that won Spirit of Elk Shape Camp. I, I checked out his Vortex 4000 rangefinder today. Shouldn't have done I that. I didn't know I needed one of those. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, you've got to separate needs and wants. Um, you know, I say I need one of those. Uh, but it's really a want. And so, um, the sight on my bow, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> that is a need. Um, I can get by with my rangefinder. So look at your budget, look at, look at where you're at, what is responsible you're not, you're not having to put money on credit cards. Well, let's go off. Let's finish with this little tip from again, the backcountry Cajun Haas. Yeah. Did you remember what he said about that list? 
Oh yeah, yeah. He it's was a pretty good little tip. Yeah, I love that. So he he would take, uh, and if there was something that he was interested in, he wanted or needed, he'd write it on a list and then come back to it in ninety days, and see if it held as much value or was just as important to him then. And what he's found is a lot of the times, that that thing that catches your eye. Uh, it's no longer there, it, or it, it, you no longer need it in your life. It's moved from the need category to the want category, and it's not as much of a priority. Um, that dude, I think that dude's smart. I think he's got some good, some good little, uh, some good tactics. Um, I'm excited to talk to him and find out more about what he's got going on. That's awesome, guys. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I think there's some good nuggets in here that you could take away if you were listening, and just know that we appreciate your support and that we believe in. The separation is in the preparation. Uh, where can people find you on social and your platforms just to kind of follow your craziness? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I, I have a lot of fun. Um, I, I do a lot of unprofessional posts on my, my Instagram, <laughs> but no, I have a lot of fun. So uh, you can find me on Instagram, Bynum Life. Um, look me up on Facebook. My business page, uh, Um You can check out what I do there as well. And Finn stands for? Financial. Yeah, financial outfitters. Group. Yep, financial outfitters. Cool, guys. Have a gr- have the best week ever. We appreciate you listening to this one, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with me and my main man Jeffrey. Uh, follow him. He's a really sharp guy, and if you need a financial coach. Why not pick one who actually elk hunts and can understand your addiction to elk hunting? Um, He will take uh, at least to do a consult with you. He's not allowed to say that or do that or advertise anything because of compliance, but I can say whatever I want. Sorry, Jeff. But yeah, Jeff's a really good friend of mine and a straight shooter. And we're going to end this podcast with uh, just a few sound bites from some of the campers that just graduated from Elk Shape Camp 7.0. You're going to hear from these guys um, how what they learned, their takeaways, what they're going to be working on, and their chance to advertise basically their goals for the rest of the year. And you're going to be listening to, like uh, one of the guys is a former NFL lineman, 11 years in the league. One of the other guys uh, is a stud athlete and his brother is in the NFL right now. Another guy is a game warden. Another guy is an executive at a very big company. And a couple other guys are just some, uh, you know, some 20-year-old guys just out there getting after it. And so check out these uh, testimonials, if you will, and have a great week. And we'll catch you on the next one. Take care. Over the a lot of information that was covered this weekend, they, you know, I finally got introduced to a diaphragm, diaphragm elk call. Went in thinking it was going to be easier than it actually was for me. So uh that's probably one of the biggest takeaways you know i feel like i shot pretty well uh, i didn't actually have to miss the archery on friday but um, um shooting under duress did okay at that uh but calling is definitely going to be where i have to improve prior to september so 15 minute car rides to wherever if i get a girlfriend or my parents with me or whatever they're going to hate me but if i get a bull in september it'll be worth it this place has been absolutely awesome lots of knowledge lots of very applicable things for everyday life and for elk hunting, mostly elk hunting, but I found that I have major holes in my archery game that I've been getting away with for years. I've found that my calling definitely needs work, but I'm in an area where I can know how to improve now. I've found that my fitness under duress and shooting is not where it should be. I found that my physical fitness, which I've known, is not where it needs to be, but I'm learning on it. And I've learned how to better have a chance of budgeting myself for success 
And for me, the highlight of the whole thing has been the camaraderie. Everybody has been super great, super supportive, super nice, great group of guys. Everybody, I mean, total strangers show up and they're all, everybody's encouraging everybody, but pushing them to be better at the same time and not, not getting down on each other, but still pushing. And it's just incredible the way these group of strangers came together and everybody's over there socializing like they've known each other for 30 years. I think that's awesome. Oh, my name is uh, Jeff Gibson. Incredible weekend. You know, I can think of probably uh, five events I've done in my life that uh, changed the way that I live. Marriage to my, my wonderful wife, uh, birth of my kids. Uh, this is up there in the top five of really not just changing how I'm gonna look at hunting, but changing how I'm gonna live my life. So I can shoot. What I can't do is my fitness has gone downhill in my ripe old age. And uh, my uh, ability to call uh, isn't where it needs to be, but this weekend has really showed me some tools I could use on the fitness side, but I can keep this old body in shape and continue to chase balls. At the same time, uh, learn how to bugle, learn how to really, really leverage those tools that Dark and, and uh, Dan have showed me. So. Well, it's pretty much the whole camp of the holiday. I mean, we're going to focus on nutrition, working out, um, your archery, your call. I mean, everything is going to be geared towards elk hunting. Biggest wing, except probably pointed out to me, is my bow, how I'm shooting my release, making sure it's set up correctly. Really helped me a lot in getting more consistent in my shooting. It was completely worth it. Uh, hopefully, we will get to love to do it again if they come down to this part of the country. It's worth your time, it's worth your money. Make, make yourself a better elk hunter, a better person, you come check it out. So, um, the number one thing that I took away from this camp was, uh, it was, it was a gut check. Um, just, you know, Dan's being real specific to, you know, your functionality of, you know, Western hunting and elk specifically, um, you know, keeping that attitude year round. I mean, the lifestyle that I have, um, you know, obviously being a blue collar allows me to um, train and work hard. But I also found out that, you know, nutritionally, what I thought was doing great, um, I can step up. So there's always a place to, to improve. Um, the number one highlight, obviously, of this camp for me was uh, working with uh, Dirk Durham and my bugling. A lot of the things that, um, being a novice, obviously, a lot of the things I thought I was doing really well, um, and I was, but at the same time, he just takes you to that next level. Uh, a lot like Dan does with the nutrition and the fitness. Um, those were really the big highlights, and obviously covering the financial part of this camp, too, was an eye-opener because... That's a big one. People overlook it all the time, and uh, the financial responsibility that, that we have to our families and this lifestyle is costly. And um, I thought it was a great presentation by Jeff. Um, I'd highly encourage it. It's allowed me to refocus and uh, become a killer, and that's what I want to do. Be a killer. Kill some elk. And, uh, just went through elk camp and uh, learned that uh, my shooting abilities can be better, and I found out how to make them better. My physical abilities can be better, and I found out how to make them better. And uh, I think I'm going to try to get my physical shape more in line for my and use my hunting to sling board my physical abilities. And I found out today that no matter how old you are, you can still uh, gain more physical abilities to do anything in life, not not just hunting. So it's a whole life lesson. This camp is not just about elk hunting; it's about making yourself a better human being. Uh, it's made me better. Thank you, Dr. All right. Uh, so, camp was amazing. Um, I loved every second of it. I have to say, uh, um, I say my biggest point of weakness, even though it was one of the shorter parts of camp, was the financial portion. Like I, 
gotten in some bad habits lately and you know really getting it broken down showed me like really put it in perspective like you know i need to stop now while i'm ahead um another thing that i was super excited and happy to learn was the uh i guess the calling and a bit of the fitness portion was just outstanding um years and years of knowledge 50 years of knowledge worth in just a couple of days and i can never repay that back or thank them and uh, you know thank the guys enough for sharing that knowledge with me um and uh the people, man. Finding people that have the same obsession, same passion as you. Uh, everybody has everybody's number here, and we're all staying in touch. We're talking about hunts we're gonna do together. It's just the community that this like makes is just second to none, hands down. And I can never thank everybody enough for y'all doing this for us and putting this on. And you know the people that came out, just 100% outstanding. Elk Shape Camp, very humbling experience. It will expose what you're weak at. It will highlight what you're good at. And one of the things that I had exposed to me this weekend was tinkering with my bow. Being able to tie a D-loop, never even thought about that in the backcountry. You know, what happens if that comes off? Do you have a backup bow with you? And so I guess my preparation level was one of the things that was exposed. Um, one of the things that I loved the most about it was just being pushed to your limit. You have to be able to look yourself in the face and say, can I do this? And, you know, am I prepared for success and if you're not and you don't really know what to focus on this is a great place to learn that and you know they gave us just if you're wondering if it's worth the money it's totally worth the money uh, they give you just little information little nuggets of information you just got to store in your head and use to improve upon uh, something that I'm going to do different is my fitness level uh, when I go home I was in relatively good shape was able to perform you know, function with the best of the guys here, but I don't feel like tomorrow that I would be able to do that again and repeat it. Um, so just being able to do a repeat performance and learn from that and uh, build on nutrition growth, on, you know, how to call elk, just every, the tactics and the tips that they give you are just invaluable. So my name is Heath Gibson. I come to this camp. I've been hunting elk for, I guess, six solid years now. And I've made a lot of bad habits. Uh, they were exposed this weekend at this camp. And, I really feel like it's going to change my ways, you know. Uh, a lot of stuff I'd seen on YouTube, but seeing it in person, it really brings it out. Uh, weaknesses in calling, uh, some of my bugle stuff, my chuckles, uh, definitely my, my fitness level. Uh, it needs to be brought to a new game, and this is going to be the starting spot for me. It brought me down today, and now it's time to rebuild. And uh, I, I recommend it to anybody that's serious about elk hunting. It's great. So... Elk Shake Camp 2020, Roanoke, Texas. So probably one of the biggest takeaways I have from this is the whole purpose of my why. Why do I do this? I do it because I, I like the challenge. I know elk hunting is going to be difficult. You're going to get out there. You're going to push yourself. You're going to have to push yourself, especially if you bring buddies along. It's going to be a challenge, but the reward is what I, the, the end goal I want. Like, I want that challenge. I want that reward. I want that, that meat to help feed myself, feed my family, feed my nutrition. I'm a huge into working out. That's what I enjoy about the camp. And it was just great seeing all these other guys who, like myself, want to better themselves. And they have the like, same habits. They have the same habits. They have the same hobbies. They're all wanting to get better. A couple of strengths I identified. I got, I'm, I'm pretty fit. I enjoy the fitness aspect of it. But I really want to start getting after these weaknesses that I've had. And my biggest one throughout the weekend I discovered is my shooting. Like I need, a, I need to get after there. I can commit time to the gym. That's easy for me. But as soon as I get home, like, I'd rather just sit on the couch, eat dinner, watch some YouTube real quick. But I'm going to take... 10 minutes that time, get in my backyard, fling a couple arrows at the target, and there we go. Start getting that practice in, start getting ready for that season because I want to be the most ethical and humane hunter I can be. 
And one, I owe it to myself, and two, I owe it to the animal. So otherwise, it was a great camp. Made a bunch of great friends, hopefully great contacts, and then I hope to just keep in touch with them down the road. And I hope we all get to kill some big bulls this year. All here. Uh, favorite part about this weekend was uh, shooting under rest drills. Something I definitely don't do enough of. I do not do a lot of the cardio sessions and then try to shoot my bow. So that's something I'm definitely going to work on. Uh, something else that helped me out a lot was uh, I've been elk hunting before and I just didn't understand what I did wrong. And uh, y'all pointed all the things I've done wrong. So I'm going to work on all that. I'm going to get my game plan together and I'll be taking a picture of my bull this season. Takeaways for me is Dirk and Dan um, sharing their mistakes, their errors, um, you know, anticipating hang up spots, uh, being able to best anticipate which way uh, the winds may be blowing, um, not necessarily on the slopes, but like in creek bottoms and stuff. Um, uh, also, on e scouting, um, I've got uh, experience using Google Earth. I've got uh, Onyx Maps, but on my phone, but I've never used it on my desktop before. Um, so I plan on actually utilizing that resource um, better. Um, another highlight is just uh, the CrossFit um, exercises. Um, you know, usually I just go to your traditional gym, lift weights. Um, of course, I do the Stairmaster and the rower, but um, just higher intensity, um, shorter workouts, which uh, leaves me with more time to spend uh, with my family um, and just the being with other like-minded guys here um, people having different experiences in the elk woods some have more experience than I do so we're able to share experiences bounce things off of each other um, there's some here that are from other states um, certainly we've got lots of Texas guys here and just uh, creating new friends um, and actually being able to meet guys uh, that I just uh, only know from social media, uh, being able to uh, meet guys and have a conversation with them one-on-one. -on -one. So just finished up Elk Shape Camp. Um, learned a lot about myself. I need to start crushing it more on fitness. I don't need to be in the gym for 45 minutes to an hour. I need to get in there. I need to get a hard, sweaty 15-minute circuit workout in and then just get out, do a lot of stretching, work on some joint problems I'm having. I also need to get out there and shoot my bow a lot. This week we learned a ton, this weekend we learned a ton about, just like my knowledge was blown on uh, elk hunting in general. I have a solid strategy of how to go in the mountains and kill elk this year, and I'm gonna go chase a bull. I was just gonna go chase any animal, but I'm gonna go chase a bull, and that's thanks to elk shape. All right guys, I can't even tell you how valuable this camp is. I had three or four buddies that didn't wanna do it because you know, it is kind of expensive, but I will tell you this. I went on three elk hunts before I even saw a legal bull. And I spent three times the money that I did on this course. And I'm gonna tell you what, the stuff that you can learn in a weekend is absolutely incredible. You know, a lot of us guys out east, Texas included, you know, we're used to going somewhere. We're used to waiting on the animals to come to us. And you cannot do that elk hunting. You have to go find the animals. It's a big mountain and they could be anywhere. And you know, Dan and Dirk, they really, really talked about that. How, you know, we're gonna go find the elk that wanna play. And you know, you can't do that by just sitting in a meadow, sitting there blind calling and all that good stuff. And also, you know, this is a great way to kickstart your fitness. I am in probably the worst shape of my life right now. I had a back injury last year and it's just getting better. This is kickstarting me to get into elk shape for this September. I'm gonna have a tag in Colorado. 
and hopefully this thing is gonna help me kill another bull. All right, so one thing I noticed out here at Upshape Camp is the mustaches in Texas are great. Fu Manchus, handlebars, big fluffy rolled out ones. Every, I mean, they're awesome. I love it. Uh, Elk Shape Camp as a whole, great. Jeff, Dan, Dirk, all know their stuff. Great guys, I learned a lot. I wanna come back next year. I recommend it to anybody that's getting into elk hunting or has been elk hunting for however many years, just, just wants to get ahead of the curve. Um, I love all these guys, all, everybody that came, good dudes, met a lot of cool people, and I enjoyed it.